Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Our second day of coverage from Radio Row, Super Bowl 57 from the Convention Center in downtown Phoenix. Glad you're with us. Hutton and Withrow and a jam-packed guest list today, which will kick off in about 15 to 20 minutes with former Cardinals and former Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians. Brian Dawkins, the Pro Football Hall of Fame safety, he will be with us also in the second segment of our upcoming hour. Uh, Adoree Jackson, Hendon Hooker, Chad Tim Brown, Sean Merriman, and much more. It's been a busy day on Radio Row. It's picking up. Have not had a chance to catch our breath today, Hutton. Uh, the show's, show's opening. I've got water out here. I've got cough drops. <laughs> I'm just drowning in different things left and right. And I've got business cards from someone we had on the show. Uh, it's been nonstop, and uh, that's the way we prefer it when we're on Radio Row for the Super Bowl. Terrific guest list today. Going to be a lot of fun to hear from some of these people. We'll mix in some different segments throughout the show as well with us live here on Radio Row. It's going to be a fun show. We have uh, news to discuss with Kevin Durant being traded to Phoenix. Yeah. To the next Suns superstars. They're loading up in a blockbuster trade for the NBA. Kyrie's out in Brooklyn as well. And we'll get to Roger Goodell and the, uh, the officiating comments in just a moment. Um, call him up right now at outkick.com from Armando Salguero. Recapping what was the agenda push of the NFL through their presser yesterday, the state of the NFL address that Roger Goodell delivers each and every year at the Super Bowl host site from uh, media members where they hit on a variety of topics from minorities at quarterback to the NFL trying to push uh, the, the global franchises instead of expanding within the states, that and much more. And it struck a tone with Armando. He will join us live here on site in a couple of hours. Yeah, Armando wrote about um, what he says is a multiple woke agenda items with the NFL. We're free to disagree on right. this show. Uh, Armando disagrees with our stances a lot. I completely disagree with about two of the things he writes about. Totally agree with one of the points. There's four big ones, and I sort of agree with a fourth. The one thing in the tone of this article that I completely agree with Armando on, and we'll talk to him about it mm -hmm. as well, is this idea that in some way an NFL head coach or a GM cares at all about the race of the starting quarterback. Um, that is of such a bygone era and it does not affect any decision-making in the NFL today. I don't think there is a single person. I, I, I will say this in totality. I don't think there is a single person employed in the NFL that has a job coaching, being in a front office, general manager, owners, mm -hmm. anyone, anyone that cares whether or not their quarterback is black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. I think discrimination at the quarterback position has been completely eradicated from the game. 
Was this a problem 30 years ago? Yeah. Was it a problem 60 years ago, 40, 50 years ago? Absolutely. It is no longer a problem. So much so, Hutton, that when we started reading stories about this is the first Super Bowl to feature two black quarterbacks, right? it blew my mind because I didn't even think about it. Same. It wasn't something I even thought for a second about with Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Last thing I think about with these guys are their race. First thing I think about is, oh, these are two guys that were up for the MVP all year. Yeah, the finalists, which that's will be awarded I, tonight. That's NFL what I Honors. think about when I think about these two guys. So totally agree with Armando okay, on those points. And, and, and Goodell's reacting as if the NFL has something to do with that. I mean, they have a playoff system in place for a reason. And, you know, for all of the discussion about, oh, the NFL is rigged, the way he answered is almost like, well, we need to do more to, to in, in ensure that this continue. No, just the best quarterbacks are going to play. That's how this is set up. Yeah, the playoffs are not racist. Right. So, yeah, Armando is dead on with that. There's a playoff system. That's how we advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, it's, not, it's not racist structures that have led to this being the first game, uh, the first Super Bowl featuring two black quarterbacks. Now, on some other points he brings up, I, I fully agree that the NFL, uh, you know, they want to lean into more of a left-leaning, uh, quote-unquote, woke agenda. There's no sure. doubt about it. Yeah, they want everyone and to that's, love them. I mean, let's face it. That's majority of businesses owned in America. That's certainly a majority of media companies, not us, but certainly a, a majority of media companies. There's no mistake in that. But when Roger Goodell is answering a question from Donna Kelsey, the mother of Travis and Jason Kelsey, about the role of mothers with football players and growing up, and he talks about his mom only and doesn't mention his dad, I, I, I disagree with Armando that that in some way is him not acknowledging the role of the father. Right. He was asked a question. Yeah, you're right. Now, if he was asked a question about fatherhood in the NFL and he avoided it or just went back and talked about moms being you know, way more important than dads or something like that, yeah, I would agree with that. But he was giving a long answer to a question asked about mothers and he used the example of his own mother, I, I've got no big issue with that. To, to Donna Kelsey, where the storyline last week was, this is the Kelsey Bowl yeah. uh, with uh, Jason and Travis uh, matching up in this, in this Super Bowl on Sunday. Look, it's a good column. I encourage everyone yeah. to read it at outkick.com, and well, so, you can take away from it also, what you want. Well, uh, Also, I'm reading through the, the transcript from the presser. Keep in mind, this is Roger Goodell, who is thrilled that he's not at the podium discussing Daniel Snyder. He's not at the podium discussing Deshaun Watson this year. He's answering questions to make the NFL reflect this positive image for everyone. And so he wants to make sure the headlines reflect the, the woke-type discussion points that are all checked off uh, from the media that are asking the questions, including the first two black quarterbacks to start in a Super Bowl. Um, again, going back to we're in an era now where you're absolutely going to play based on the superstar status of your QB. There's no doubt. Look, look, there's look at no, the draft right now. Look, there are places and spots in American society where racism exists. And it's not just you know racism with whites against black people. Sure. It's, there's right. racism in all forms in a lot of different areas. This is not one of them. This is just simply not one of them. So for Roger Goodell to harp on... I'm sure there's a lot of really bad things that is the reason this is the case. I, I just, not today. We can go back in time and we could legislate a lot of things out that were awful and we've evolved well, as humans 
And we are in a place now, especially in football and pro sports, where I am here to tell everyone, no one cares. If you well, are good at your job... Except for the media is, asking the questions to the commissioner who doesn't want the headline of saying, I didn't even realize this because it's not an issue. Yeah, I, I'm, can't, I, I'm with you. That's, yeah. I, you and I, I think, are on the same page. Yeah, we are. I didn't even know until someone wrote it that it was the first Super Bowl with two black quarterbacks. I assumed it had happened before. But in pro sports, sports in general, we love it because it is a meritocracy. And it remains that way. If you're good at your job and you help your team win games, you will be employed. That's why I love it. So to inject all of this stuff into it, I don't necessarily like it. The two other things I want to hit on, globalism with the NFL, Mm -hmm. which Armando covers in this piece, and I think he does a good job with it. I I do somewhat agree with what he's saying on this. When you start taking home games away from home fans and moving them to England and Germany, yeah, that, that, that is taking away from that hometown market. And it does show a little bit of favoritism to a country that you don't currently have NFL teams in when you're taking away from those hometown teams. So from a business standpoint, it makes total sense. Sure. You want to be global. You want to make as much money as possible all over the world. The NFL is just like every other business that wants to do that. So I understand what they're thinking globally. I also completely agree with Armando on the point about, but at the expense of what? Right? We want to sell more tickets in Germany. We want yeah, to sell more, more Josh Allen jerseys in Germany. We want to sell more whatever. Mm-hmm. Media rights deals in Germany. Well, great. But you, at times you're doing that at the expense of your own fans. And while the NFL is a giant that's not going anywhere, there is a level that people can reach that if you keep taking and taking and taking and changing and taking your diehard fans for granted, then things can change for you. I don't think we're anywhere near that, but it can change. You you can view it that way. I would view it as they're going to continue to add and add and add. They added the 18th week two years ago. Yeah. Um, And they definitely had this in mind in terms of the schedule and the rotating schedule where the the fan base every other year is going to have the same amount of games as a 17-week season at home. And then you're added the extra home game for NFL owners to reap the benefits of that. And then the NFL owners can throw their name in the hat if they want to give up one of those home games to then go and play overseas. Hello, Jacksonville. Um, This is nothing new in regards to the globalization of the NFL. They're adding extra weeks. They're adding extra games. Uh, Meanwhile, the same amount of home games for those same fans remain in place at the stadium. Yeah, totally. Uh, Ageism, Armando hits on the column too. Um, I think every marketing opportunity and project out there at times is probably ageist to an extent. Everyone wants customers that are going to be around longer. Yeah. It's, It's just math, right? So Roger Goodell in the press conference talked about the Amazon Prime, the Prime video games, the average age was 10 years younger than our normal audience. And he said something like, that's exactly what we wanted. Okay? I, I don't hear that. Again, we'll talk to Armando about it when he joins us live too. I don't hear that as, we don't want older viewers. I hear that as, we want to make sure we're appealing to all younger viewers. Not that, go away old people, we don't want you. It's just... Well, yeah, 
you want to market your product and have the youngest possible people watching because the idea is you have a repeat customer for a longer period of time, and not only which that, only helps the NFL or anyone else selling anything. Chad, we grew up in an era where you went to the game. Yeah. The parents now will elect to stay at home and watch the game, and the NFL wants to connect with the young audience that's not going to the NFL game live, and they want to make sure they're building and connecting with that group so that they remain the superpower that they are. Yeah. Why do we clip our show every day? Yeah. Is it for the 70-year-olds that are going to see 80 for Brady? No. No, it's, it's to make sure that we stay relevant with a younger audience right. as well as anyone that's older sure. in our audience. I mean, that's, that's business 101. Now, if they were doing something I thought was just a direct slap at their older fans that have been around forever and supported teams forever, I, I would have an issue with that. Maybe some perceive going digital for you know, one game a week uh, is a slap in the face of older people. <laughs> I... I I respect older people enough to believe that if you really want to watch the NFL game on Thursday night, you can find it on Prime Video. Uh, th- they can find it if they really wanted to find it. So and Prime's paying a billion dollars. Yeah, it's it's show a, me the business that wouldn't take that. Yeah, it's a it's a mixed bag. But I the theme of the article I'm in lockstep with because it's just more of the same that we see from every league. The hockey is for everyone campaign that we talked a lot right. about, right? Yeah. Everyone is doing some level of that. The NFL, to my knowledge, isn't going as far as the NHL has with, with this campaign, but everyone is trying to do something to virtue signal, to show sure. we care about everyone more than you care about everyone. And those who don't care about something, well, we don't care for you. That's, look, that's, that's the way of the world right now. It's frustrating at times, it's not going away. We're just going to get more and more of this from Roger Goodell, the NFL, everyone else. Um, Tom Brady's retired, Yeah. for those that don't know. He is. Bruce Arians stepped away as head coach last year in order to get Todd Bowles the head coaching opportunity and keep his staff in place. Those things have changed as well with Todd Bowles' staff. Brady no longer in Tampa. The former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and head coach right here in Arizona of the Cardinals, Bruce Arians, he joins us as our coverage continues from Super Bowl Radio Row, Super Bowl 57. We're just getting started. Hang with us across the Outkick Network for Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hutton and Withrow with you. Joined by... Former Cardinals and Buccaneers head coach, Bruce Arians, at our broadcast site. Good to see you. Great to be here, guys. Great to be here. Here on behalf of the Arians Family Foundation. Yeah, we've got a little event Saturday, uh, 12 to 3 at STK uh, for the Arians Family Foundation. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun. One thing about our parties, that's a lot of fun. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, doubt. What are you doing for the foundation specifically? What are you well, helping? We, uh, we have, my wife was a CASA, court appointed special advocate. She was a broken family law attorney, as she would say. And... Uh, <laughs> So she started volunteering her years, 20-some years ago, and I watched her save these kids one at a time. And uh, 
once we got here in Arizona, had a platform, we started the foundation uh, because we had a dire need here in, in Maricopa County of uh, kids in foster care that needed positive influences in their life. And that's, we try to raise money to train people to help these kids. What's day-to-day -day life for you like right now in this past season? I would go to practice, uh, go in and work with the coaches a little bit, whatever they, whenever they wanted me to do, try to stay out of the way, and, uh, and then go play golf. <laughs> not, not a bad yeah, day. I never played golf in the fall. It was kind of fun. Not a bad existence. <laughs> we were surprised when Tom Brady announced his retirement. We, we thought it was going to continue going. Uh, were you surprised when you no. saw that he was hanging it up? It could have went either way. I, neither one of them would have surprised me. Tom can still sling it, you know, but uh, it was such a tough year personally for him, and I was so proud of the way he battled through this whole thing and, and uh, never brought it to the field. I mean, just it was, it was hard on him, but uh, uh, what a great, great human being, great teammate. Bruce Arians, our guest on Outkick 360. So rewind a year. You step away so Todd Bowles and the staff can stay together. A lot of changes a year later. And uh, you've been uh, outspoken about the fact you're not happy with that. You're not pleased with that. Looking back on that decision, would you change what you did based on the situation now? Would you still be the head coach of the Buccaneers you know, based on that? No, I've got all the trust in the world in Todd. And Todd's got to do what he needs, you know, the way he feels. And, and his philosophy, and it, does, it didn't match this year. Um, Byron's going to be a head coach someday. You know, hopefully this doesn't set him back too far because uh, he is a tremendous football coach. And uh, so, yeah, I think for us, it's just which direction we want to go in. Todd wanted to go in a direct, different direction, and it's his ball club, but I wouldn't change a thing. Where did the wires get crossed from the media perspective on the relationship between you and Brady? What's the biggest <laughs> misconception there? I'm sure you've read or heard something <laughs> yeah. that you want to refute. Probably because I said he threw an interception one time, but uh, <laughs> for, why, for whatever reason. But, man, we have had a great relationship, and uh, hopefully play golf sometime soon uh, when he gets back. It's amazing to hear, you know, everyone we've had on that played with Brady in New England talks about how Bill Belichick would speak to Brady like they've never heard another head coach speak to the starting quarterback of any team. And this was Tom Brady, that he was coached that way mm -hmm. throughout in, in New England. Um, I don't know that, that that's your style, per se, <laughs> in, a, in a team meeting, but when you were around and coaching him, could you sense that, that this was a guy who maybe was accustomed oh, to being loves, berated yeah, in he, team meetings? He, he loves being coached and, uh, and, and wants everything to be perfect. So, yeah, he doesn't take anything personal, that's for sure. And uh, so, yeah, it's easy to coach those type of guys. And he'd obviously been through a system that, that that's the way it was, you know. The fact that you ended up – how old were you when you got your first head coaching job here? 60, 60. And at that point, you never thought you would be able to do that. Yeah. Now Chuck Pagano had to get leukemia. Yeah. You know, for me to, to, to take over there. I was never the head coach. Chuck was always the head coach. And uh, to just change the leadership role a little bit. But, uh, you know, I had seven interviews signed up, set up, and six of them dropped me the first day. So yeah, nobody wants a 60-year-old anymore. But Michael Bidwell gave me a chance, and I'm forever grateful for it. And it was based off of the interim tag that you had in Indy yeah, based on that yeah, season. One coach of the year. Um, why, what took so long? Um, based on your yeah, career trajectory and the success you've had as a head coach. It's not like you were failing. And the you know, quarterbacks you worked with, yeah. the organizations you worked with. It doesn't make sense. I, I don't know. You have to ask the owners. You know, do, do you do all those things? But you didn't get any feedback, though. I, no, I never asked anybody because, you know, for me it was, wasn't in the cards. And I, I wasn't a promoter. You know, I didn't have an agent until that week. I had those interviews set up. If only you had worked for Sean McVay in your early 30s, you could have had a job had quick, quickly. Yeah. I mean, I was a head coach at 30, but... That one almost killed me. <laughs> yeah. Are you still under contract with Tampa? Yes, I'm still a consultant. What, 
the decision now moving forward without Tom mm -hmm. is is the route to go young or to go and hit the veteran market because we're seeing more movement than we have in recent years at the yeah, quarterback I, position. I, you know, I got to go back and look at three years ago when, when okay, let's look see what's behind door number. We like Jameis. Uh, I love Jameis's work ethic, but let's see who's behind door number two because you never know. Never would have dreamt it was Tom Brady and that he would choose us and we win a Super Bowl together. But I think we have to do our due diligence, look behind door. We all love Kyle Trask. We think Kyle's going to be a hell of a player. But you always got to look behind door number two, see what's there. Is, is this a roster around whoever the quarterback's going to be that can compete for oh, a championship think, yeah, a year from that. now? we got some great young players. I mean, Jason has drilled the draft for three years in a row, and uh, we got a good young football team. We've got a lot of veterans too, but uh, we've always liked that good mixture of veteran guys and young guys, and but we have a really quality young football team. What does your future in football look like? Are, are, you, are you looking out two years down the road and thinking, I, I'm going to be a GM, I'm going to continue no, with no. this role? I'm, what, is like, it, what is it you want to do? I, I like my role now and just phase me out. <laughs> just phase me you out. You like the golf part of your I, job I, I right now. I do like the golf part, and uh, I like sleeping until 9. I mean, it, I mean, at, at Titans training camp with the joint practice, I saw you rolling around in the golf cart there. I mean, that's your, that's your seat now. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I've had one of those for a while now. I <laughs> bad back, but the uh, no, it uh, it was fun this year. It really was for for me to. Have, it was an easier transition, you know, to get out. Arians Family Foundation. You can check it out. Uh, just do the search. We'll also uh, tag this on social. Coach, uh, thanks for stopping by. Um, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank Absolutely. Uh, by the way, what do you think about the matchup on Sunday? I think it's going to be a great game. I, I just uh, Hassan Reddick's my guy. I think yep. he's going to wreck the game, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, when we had success in the Super Bowl, we, we got Pat going, chasing him around. Yep. Uh, and I think the Eagles have the pass rush to do that. But I never bet against my homes. <laughs> well, and, and how much better is this Chiefs offensive line than the ones you guys saw in that Super Bowl? A lot better. But, uh, man, that Eagle pass rush is special. Yep. It's uh, strong at every position on that Philly roster. No, no, I, mean, weakness I, think, with Philly. I think two of the best gets last year that Howie got were Bradbury and, and Gardner-Johnson. That Putting him with Slay, that secondary is legit now. Trading for Slay, getting Bradbury for, what was it, $10 million, I think, yeah. which is, I mean, if you look at his caliber of play. It's a steal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate you. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Bruce Arians has been our guest here at Super Bowl 57 Radio Row. Our coverage continues across the Outkick Network on Outkick 360. Chad, your big takeaway from our chat with Bruce Arians. Big takeaway was that uh, he addressed uh, the elephant in the room. A couple of them, yeah. actually. One, uh, when you asked him about his relationship with Tom Brady, and you know, no surprise, said they're fine, they're going to be playing golf together soon, and there's, there's no issues. Two, he addressed the part about who will be the next Pucks quarterback. Not exactly a ringing endorsement of Kyle Trask. Well, we knew. We kind of knew yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, he said, oh, we, we love Kyle, but, you know, we got to look about what is behind door number two. Yeah. Like a lot of teams may have to do that with the quarterback position, and they're certainly looking into that door number two. Blaine Gabbert's a free agent. He was the backup. Yeah. Kyle Trask was the third string. Whether that be, you know, one of these guys who are going to be available. We yeah. talked yesterday about the possibility of the, the Derek Carr um, revolving Tie door in. of visits to the NFC South Yep, with all those teams possibly looking for a quarterback. But um, really enjoyable chat with, well, with Bruce Arians. And he is just the type of guy, Hutton, that it is 100% what you see, what you get with him. I, I got the sense based on uh, – look, Todd Bowles remains the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Arians said he's got full confidence 
and what Todd's doing. He stepped away at the time so that Todd Bowles would have the opportunity to coach and have success in year one. That did not happen. Now they're going through the quarterback transition. They have an older roster that they're going to have to revamp with some you know, influx of youth. And also view it from, from this stance. I get the, the vibe I had from the, the coaching changes because it was six total and then three others retired. It felt a little bit like Scott Frost in Nebraska, yeah. where he got rid of some coaches to be retained and not have the, the change at head coach. I'm not saying that they were at that level to where they're going to fire Todd Bowles because Bruce wanted him to you know remain uh, intact. He wanted the staff intact, and he's voiced his opinion that he's unhappy with how uh, the Glazer family uh, made some changes, so to speak. But... There's no doubt the pressure's on him. And it's intriguing that if you're going to go young, if you're going with the rookie quarterback, getting the new offensive coordinator, Bowles is the head coach. It's a lot like Houston in a weird way because you've got to pair the OC with the right QB if you're going to go that way in the draft. Or free agency because it's boomer bust and free agency too. Did you read into it at all when he said you asked about the coaching changes and him being vocal about it? And he kind of gave an answer of, no, you know, we wanted Todd Bowles and I trust – Todd Bowles' right. opinion on the staff. And I, in the back of my mind, That's, I'm thinking, is he saying that because he knows not all these decisions were Todd Bowles and he's no more doubt. okay with it if it's a Todd Bowles decision, but Arians. he doesn't believe it is. He also went out of his way to praise whom? Byron Leftwich. Mm-hmm. Saying Byron Leftwich, not even asked about him, I know he's going to get a job and he's going to be a head coach one day or he's going to be just fine. That jumped out to me as... He had an issue with the moves, but he also doesn't have an issue with anything Todd Bowles wants to do. So maybe there was some. That, uh, that's how about I read Todd into Bowles it because that. of the yeah. loyalty aspect. Arian showed Bowles. There's no doubt he would have that same loyalty to his staff if given the opportunity. From the offensive discussion to one of the best to play on the defensive side, our coverage continues with Pro Football Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins. One of the more accomplished safeties in the history of the National Football League, Pro Football Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins with us on OutKick 360. Pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Uh, the Eagles, yes. they're back. Yes, they are. <laughs> you got to be thrilled with how this team is built. Oh, my goodness. The Eagles being back, um, phenomenal talent across the board. Coaches have done an outstanding job of growth from one mm-hmm. year to the, to the next and now putting these gentlemen in, in position to, to make plays, and they're making a whole lot of plays. Yes, right? they are. And then on the other side, a coaching staff that I'm very familiar with for the most part. Yeah. Is, is that weird for you at all? It's, it is not. Well, going against Andy Reid, your, your guy? No, no, because I've done it before. Yeah. Like it's, I've played against a team coached by Andy before, so yeah. that's not yeah. weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but – when it's all said and done, it's Eagles. But I love the fact that they've made it to, to this point, and, and he's having the consistent success that he had in Philadelphia. He's having in the KC. So now, to me, you, you can't mention uh, one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the National Football League, and not have Andy in that conversation. I agree, and I think everyone would. As a competitor, though, can you truly be happy if either side wins? No. Or do you have to pick a side no, on this? No, you got to pick a side, Jack. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> Eagles, right? It's I mean, your loyalty to the Hell Eagles. Yeah. I'm just making sure because there are a lot of people that are coming and do an interview and say, you know, the great thing is is that I'm good either way no. because my guy won the Super Bowl Man. or my team won. No. But this is all or nothing for this you. This is all or nothing, good. Jack. This is I'm, all or nothing. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all or nothing. Brian Dawkins, our guest, in your era, 
the safety position, every team wanted the elite player at the safety spot. Ed Reed, John Lynch, Harrison, yourself, the list goes on and on. Why is it valued the same way now in the league? And is it because of the rule changes or is it something else? I, th I think it is to a certain extent. Um, you see that there are, I call them chess pieces. I, I, a chess piece is basically what the Eagles have in CJ. So he's a mm -hmm. chess piece. You can move him wherever you want to move him on the field. He can cover the slot. He can blitz. He can tackle in space. You know, he can make the pick in the open. He can do all of those things. So you don't have to necessarily change packages. You can just put him in a different position to have success. And so when you have that, you then allow the defensive coordinator more freedom to do more things, right? So to me, you do have those individuals. I mean, Fitzpatrick is another one of those individuals, in my humble opinion. Um, Buddha out in Buddha Baker, yeah, yes. Buddha here, right? So yes. Arizona, same thing, yep. Arizona. That's right. Same. So it's, you have guys that have that capability to do all of the things that I just said. Once again, a chess piece, not someone just playing checkers, going from one space to the next. How much power has the league taken away from the safety position with some of the rules in terms of how you can legislate violence? legally in the game before <laughs> and you can't legislate that violence now and uh and, and that's that's that was always a tough thing for me um, when i played so the advantage these young players have is this is something that they have been taught growing up i was not taught these things growing up i was taught a completely different way so mm -hmm. yeah. to in mid it's more swing, basketball now than right. it was when you played yeah, yeah right. much more physical and hitting but, now but, it's more of a basketball but if you game think about it in golf terms it's hard for you to check your swing in the middle of it yeah. and then re, you know only certain guys can check their swing and go and, and start all over again in football you can't check your hit like you're going to be all in and you're going to do it. You're committed or you're, you're not. You're committed or you're not. Same thing, right. So, Just like you with the Eagles winning. So, <laughs> full commitment. <laughs> full commitment. <laughs> Got to go all day. in, yeah. And so understanding those things that – the rules have changed, and I understand why they've changed. So as a professional, it was my responsibility to change, and I did. You know, when you left Clemson, I think uh, the school was 15 years removed from a national title in 1981 when you went to the league. So there was obviously you could see potential in a national championship-type program. But when you finished your time there, did you see that level of what Dabo was able to do at Clemson with multiple national championships? There's no, there's no way you can project that. Yeah, because Dabo was—he, I think he wasn't even the coach yet. When I, you know, I think he was. Uh, it took him what four years after my retirement for him to come there as a receivers coach or something like that. So yep. he was not even in the picture. So there's no way that anybody could have projected that Clemson would be put on the map that they are on now. I, there's no way. So I always tell people that I went to Clemson, but not the Clemson of the day. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't go to this Clemson. I went to a, I went to a, I went to the school Clemson, but it, it wasn't the Clemson that that Dabo has built. You still get the benefit though. Absolutely. You're a Clemson guy, Absolutely. so hey, you know you win those national championships too. Absolutely, They're, they all count. <laughs> Absolutely. How much did you hate South Carolina? Oh man, it's a must. It's a must. Pre-rec. Yeah, it's, it's a must. Part they, of the scholarship. They, they, they might as well put you in the room like I, I picture one of those uh, torture scenes in, in a movie. They make you watch something over and over and over and over again. So, you, yeah, it's like, yeah, this we hate this South Carolina. Zero this dark is, 30. Yes, yes, yes. So, no, it's, and, and coming from Jacksonville, Florida, you know, I didn't know anything about that rivalry. But I soon found mm. out that that is a rivalry that I need to make sure that I can't stand and leaning strongly into hating that team. Which quarterback in your career got the best out of you whenever you were prepping for them each week? The gamesmanship, the game within the game. Wow. Um, it, it would be 
the two individuals that most people will talk about, and that's Peyton and um, Tom. Okay. Um, it's the system, yes, but also the individual driving the system, right? So being able to play those games, and we didn't, and it, the, and a tough thing for us, we didn't play them all the time. So that's a, another thing. So we, if they were in our division, you get a chance to watch film on it, prepare for them a whole lot more. But when you don't play them a whole lot, and then you have to prepare for all the things <laughs> that they do, like it was, it was a lot, it was a lot tougher than uh, um, a lot of other quarterbacks. How much of uh, you going as Peyton Manning as an example? Yeah. How much are, are you bogeying with him to try to throw him off on whatever check he's going to make? And how much of it is, okay, we're showing this. Now I know he's probably going to check to this. It's the chess. It's the chess. Right, and not the checkers it's, of it. It's, it's the chess. How much more involved is that when you, you prepare for a guy like Peyton Manning and you're actually implementing the game plan on game day? So depending on what it is that you're doing, you're, like you would literally walk through disguises. Uh, we were walking through the specific things he would do. Uh, and if we want to try to get him to check something, you know, I may cheat like I'm going to come down. And, you know, and, I, and if, he, if I sell it, then he may ch check to something that will help us have success on that play because we're doing something the other way. So those type of gamemanship. And, again, it's different, though, when you play against a team. Like I'm, if, if you listen to Ray Lewis talk about Baltimore and talk about – not keep Baltimore. You listen to Ray and those guys and Ed talk about – playing against Tom and playing against uh, Manning, they have a, diff a deeper, uh, deeper uh, familiarity yeah. with him, right? But for us, again, we don't play him all the time. The NFC team. The NFC team. But, again, those shells and showing one thing, doing the other, the game and shit within the game, within the game <laughs> it was exhausting, <laughs> but you needed to do it. You had to do it. Pro Football Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins, our guest, uh, here on behalf of HeGetsUs.com. Uh, tell us yes. more and why you're involved. Wow. This is the reason I am who I am, from coming from where I came from, developing the life and mindset that I have developed in my life, is modeling my life after the character of Jesus Christ. And so when you see me on the field living with a passion and, and doing things with a passion, that passion is actually a gift that I have, I have been given. The way that I do what I do, I didn't come up with that. I didn't do things a specific way to all of a sudden develop the voice that I have, the, the charisma that I have, the, you know, you can see the intensity coming out. And it's, I didn't, that's not necessarily, I didn't like do something to get that. That is a gift that I have been given. And, but I've watched and I've listened and I've read on how he did the human experience the human thing, and he was perfect doing this human thing. So he had the same exact emotions as all of us had, yeah. but his emotions never took over. He always controlled them. So that means that I have the possibility of doing the exact same thing. So there is no excuse for me, for, for me not doing the things that I need to do to make you somebody that believes that I want the best for you. You feel me? Yes. To, to love you like I love myself. So what, what, what's at the site? Yeah. He gets a stock so so it's, it, it'll be a lot of information to get you to think about your life, where you are, and how you can get to another place, a better place, the best place to be for you, not just for you, but also for your family. I know you're picking the Eagles. What's the matchup we're not talking about enough? We're talking quarterback, receiver. What do you look at in this game? Man. The one thing that both of these teams do that the other team will have to then have been talking about, working on, is first contact tackling. 
So that mm-hmm. means that yards after catch, whichever yeah. team does not allow a y- lot of yak yards after catch or yards after contact, that will be the team that come out successful this game. So a lot of, not a lot of people talking about that from a, bro- right. from a defensive a angle. Yeah. The, the defensive standpoint, again, those short gains, if you allow that running back out of the backfield for Kansas City to catch the ball at the, for two yards and he breaks five tackles and take, yeah, you, don't, you can't allow him to break those tackles. Brian Dawkins, uh, he didn't have many missed tackles. No. One of the all-time uh, just greats. A couple, just a couple. Just a That's couple. right. Uh, hey, pleasure. Thank all you right. so much for stopping by. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thank Stay tuned. More coming on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Big thanks to Bruce Arians and Brian Dawkins for joining us. Welcome back. Radio Row, Outkick 360 rolls on with the drummer for the Black Crows, Steve Gorman. Former drummer former, for the sorry. Black Crows. My God. I, I feel like it's like a Marine, though. You know, the host a Marine, Steve. oh, you're never a former Marine. Once you're no, in the Black Crows. As, as the son of a Marine, always, I can assure <laughs> you, there's a lot of differences <laughs> between true. the USMC and the BC. True story. Uh, Similar impact on the body, though, training for oh, the Marines yeah, without, and being in a rock band for that long. Yeah. Yesterday, I, I was standing over here with Chad, and you were uh, recording, and I said, I'm going to ask Steve. Um, before he leaves, mm-hmm. who the drummer for the Foo Fighters is going to be. I, I can, figure you're in this networking I can, community of I drummers. Can, I can tell you, but then I would have to kill you. Okay. So uh, it's not going to be you. It's not going to be me. <laughs> oh, God, no. I, I could, I, that's, that's way too much action for me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, because you're not the first person here to ask me. Um, and here's the thing. I could find out. I'm friends with all those guys. It's not something that's a real, it's weird to ask as a drummer, but also just as a, it's like, if you're not yeah. telling me, that's, that's a pretty heavy decision to make. You want them to but, offer the information, I, not you ask yeah, for it. Yeah, I'm not even really thinking about it because it doesn't matter because whoever it is is going to be great. I saw the show in LA, the Taylor gig at the Forum, and the joke backstage, everybody was like, well, this is the greatest audition ever. You know, there's a bunch of drummers all playing. I can tell you that, um, the, the, the Taylor kid, uh, J- Roger Taylor from Queen, his son, is it Justin Taylor? Okay. I think his name. He, he was great. The guy from Blink-182 f- played like that was his band. You know, he's great. He would do it. Stuart Copeland is my dark horse pick from the police. I have no inside information, but something tells me that, that that's going to be the guy. How old is Stuart Copeland now? Roundabout well, age, do you I, know? He's got to be... 70? Yeah. I mean, hell, I'm 58 this year. I hope he's 12 years old. Well, you've got such an appreciation for music history, just like Dave Grohl does. Sure. When he talks about it, it comes through. So mm-hmm. that would make a lot of sense that he would go with an I, older gentleman that's more of a, a legend, right? I, I think there's also a thing of, like, who can we bring out here that's not going to freak out? It's a weird it's – a, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's not just joining a huge band, but that band replacing that guy – filling those shoes i mean it's it's not an easy thing for anybody to step in and and do because the it, the pressure any drummer is going to put on themselves to live up to that you know and and not not imitate but but it's a you got to have a certain amount of respect and humility to go out there and, and 
say, okay, I'm not Taylor Hawkins, but I'm going to do this gig now. It's like, you know, captain of the New York Yankees or, you know, name the sports equivalent right. of position and city mm-hmm. and team. I feel like now Foo Fighters drummer will be that. Well, Is it as simple as they go and handpick whoever they want from whatever, not whatever band, but from yeah. most bands out there? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. Uh, there's a lot of. I see. I don't, it depends on how busy a band is. There's a million things. But I don't know how drummer contracts work. Basically, so you can you can walk us <laughs> through those. I, I wish there were drummer contracts. <laughs> I used to say I wish we could trade like teams. <laughs> like I could. I would love a season in another band right now. Right. I think it'd be good for all of us. What band would you choose if you're Aaron Rodgers? If you got traded yeah, somewhere, you, <laughs> you have a no trade clause, but you can yeah. lift the no trade clause. I, see, that's the for thing. a team for a band. I'm what would the, it be? I'm a, but see, I'm at the place now where I can only be in my own band because it's like I've. I'm too old to be a team player anymore. It's like if Fair. I'm not kind of, you know, if I'm not like one of the key guys, um, I would not be a good drummer for hire, put it that way. <laughs> you're, um, in, uh, you're in Minneapolis now. I am. You're with a rock station, so you, a, get, you get to talk about a little bit of everything. It's a lot of everything, yeah. We, we, we go, as, as I often like to do, whether I should or not, start with a rock song, go into a sports story, and then tell a story about, you know, this new p- pill for constipation that vibrates in your stomach, and then get right back to a rock song. You know, whatever it is. I just like to kind of, I, 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 I liken it to a conversation in a bar. It just goes in a lot of directions, and hopefully it comes back around and you make a point eventually. You know, I've known you for years going on with Willie Donick back in the day in, in Nashville. Yeah. Of course, everybody knows you from the Black Crows. I know you from Sports Talk. Yeah. You've hosted a bunch of shows, mm-hmm. national shows. You're here doing some work now also. Um, do you find a cross-section of people when they recognize you or talk to you that know you from one or the other? And how has that sports following it's, been built up over the years? It's, it's like... Because well, I know the, you from sports. The sports more than show, the, the show we did for Fox, I mean, the Steve Gorman Sports that we started locally was a small little thing. When we went to Fox Sports Radio, it was, it was like being in a, in a cult band, like if you want to make that comparison, like... Not a lot of people were listening, but the ones who did were, were all really in. all in. Die the, the people that got it really got it. And I, just like here this week, um, I've bumped into a lot of people who introduced themselves and said, oh, man, when you and Jeffrey would blah, 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 and they start. And it's not unlike when someone says, something, you know, I saw your gig at whatever. You know, it's like it, it connected with, with people who didn't want just a straight down the middle sports show. And, and that's always really nice, you know. And um, I do hear, again, like, I've heard from two different people this week. Oh, so and so, they're just trying to do what you guys did, you know. And yeah. whether that's true or not, I'm like, that's I'll a take, big compliment. Hey, I'll take though. It. That's I'll a big it. compliment. Yeah. yeah. No, well, we we had a lot of fun, and I can say this with all sincerity. I couldn't believe they hired us in the first place, and we did five <laughs> years, and four and a half of those years were spent going. This is not going to. There's no way they're going to let us keep doing this. So it was it was an awesome run. I'm not going to ask you your pick for the game because I'm sure you know everyone that talks to you is going to ask you about that. I what I, what I, are I'll, you most looking I'll, for? I'll you want to give you. us the pick too? I'm the only guy that I know who thinks the Chiefs are going to win this game. Really? Yeah. I, I just you're I'm, the first that said that. What I are know. you most looking forward to about this game? Um, I think it's going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be a fourth quarter you know decision, yeah. and that's always great. Um, you know, as a child of blowout Super Bowls, I'm always just excited when the game is actually a good game. And I think it will be. The thing that I just heard this the other day, the Chiefs, I think it's 93 or 97 games since they've lost by more than four points. Just take a minute with that one. In the 90s no, games? They, over 90 games wow. since anyone beat them by five well, points or more. The thing that keeps blowing me away is Patrick Mahomes, five straight home AFC yeah, championship it's games. insane. No, no, you no know, one's ever, you no know one's how ever many s- the Chiefs hosted? Prior to Patrick Mahomes, None. zero. 
None. AFC Championship games. As much as we all believed in the Elvis Gerbach years, they just didn't. They just didn't come together. <laughs> they never really like, came together the they, way they, they did they with Mahomes. They didn't click the way we thought they would. So, um, I, 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 ultimately, I don't care. But I just think I, I just I'm not betting against Mahomes and Andy Reid right now. It's that simple. And the sleeper pick for the drummer for the Foo Fighters is? I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's Stuart Copeland, okay. which is either the best or the dumbest There's, thing I could say. But that's why I like it. I, 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 I like think, it I just think it would the, be cool. I just yeah. think that would be the coolest thing ever. Well, I feel like, uh, you know, I just feel like you and Dave Grohl are very similar in your appreciation for rock music. Mm-hmm. So that would, yeah. make, that would be you know, a pick that makes sense It for makes him. sense. And I'll tell you what. I mean, we, and we are buddies, and we, have, we do – we talk at each other because we're saying the same things a lot in that in certain things about that but about bands and the way we approach and what matters to us and all this there's a lot of similar ground close to the you know i'm a couple years older than him whatever um what was the point i was going to make because it was really good Dave Grohl. um no but about this gig oh to your point i would have thought that he was going to pull the plug, honestly. My first thinking last year was... On the band? Yeah, the band would I just go thought... Away. Interesting. Because he's got so many projects. I mean, I, I, I'm surprised he hasn't put out a solo record already because he's always he's the busiest guy on planet Earth. And I just thought he was going to be the rock historian that he is and say, this is what Zeppelin did. They're the only ones that did it right. At the same time, that statement they put out about what the Foo Fighters are here for made a lot of sense to me. And I was like, no, man, go. Go go as long as you can. Steve, thanks, man. Steve Borman, the former drummer of the Black Rose. Yeah, let's get that right. That's Maybe it. future drummer of the Foo Fighters. Who knows? I'm too tired. Coming up uh, in our number two, Cody and Jacob Hollister join us. The Hollister Twins plus Hendon Hooker and much more. Stick with us from Radio Row. Outkick 360 rolls on.